Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, let's go. Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi Radio Network. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander. We're in the Southern Bank Core Studios here in Hattiesburg. We've got Southern Miss football strength coach Lance Ancar in the studio with us as well. He'll be sitting in throughout the show. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com joins us later. In just a moment, we're going to have New Orleans Breakers head coach and former Golden Eagle, of course, head coach Larry Fedora on the show. Very quickly, Dickie's Barbecue sponsors the opening segment. We appreciate all they do. Great place to take your family. Great place to cater your next event. Larry Fedora needs no introduction to the Eagle Hour, making, I think, his third appearance on the show, now the head coach of the New Orleans Breakers. And uh, first of all, Coach, thanks for coming back on. Always a pleasure to have you. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I hope you guys are doing well. Well, we're good, Coach, and I want to talk to you about the USFL. Uh, you just finished your inaugural season. Uh, the Breakers go 6-4 and four in the regular season, uh, lost to the uh, eventual uh, league champion Stallions, Birmingham, in the playoffs. But uh, talk about the first year, Coach, about the USFL in general and, and what your impressions are now that the inaugural season is over. Well, first of all, you know, I think uh, it was a huge success. You know, one, it was the first true spring league, uh, professional football league that, that made it through an entire season. You know, so that was uh, that was a big plus right there. Uh, showed great TV ratings. So I think, uh, you know, the, the powers to beat feel like it's a success and they plan on being back next year. And I heard Skip Holt say actually this morning that uh... – that he was he was a little surprised at just how good the level of football was in the league. Your your thoughts about the the caliber of play that we all saw? Yeah, well, it was you know that was one of my biggest worries with, uh, before I took the job was whether this was going to be real football or not. And uh, you know there were a lot of really good players in the league, and there was really really good coaching. And so it was uh, it was good solid football. You know, it was uh, I think uh, the fans enjoyed watching it, and I sure as heck enjoyed coaching it. Coach, you've been you've been an, an, you know coordinator at the college level. You've been a head coach at the college level. Now you you tried the pros. Uh, money aside, which of those formats do you, have you have you think you enjoyed the most? Well, that, that I mean that's hard to say. I've enjoyed uh, everywhere I've ever been. I mean, you know, at the at the collegiate level, you you have a little bit more influence on the uh, players, and you can. Uh, you know, you can you, you can kind of help grow them into to men. You know, and uh, when you get in the pro level, these guys are already grown men. They already have families. They already have children. And uh, 
you know what the, what they want is they want to be better football players, and so you spend your time developing them and, and showing them how to be better, you know, and uh, how to be a better football player. So, but I, I can't say that I enjoyed one over the other. I, I can say that uh, the the state uh, that college football is in right now with the uh, transfer portal and the NIL, uh, I think there's a lot of college coaches that are that are probably trying to get to the professional level. <laughs> yeah, that's they, interesting. They've had enough of it already. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, we're just in the beginning of it. Yeah, Coach, I, I don't think we've talked to a coach yet that actually liked it, but, but what they all tell us is it's here, so we have to deal with it. But I, I think uh, I think they all share your opinion. Now, next year when the league uh, starts back, all the teams will disperse to their home fields. We've been curious. Has it been decided where the breakers will play, and how excited are you about bringing your team back to New Orleans? Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about that opportunity. Now they haven't they haven't told us any of those uh, plans, so I, I don't know any of those details yet. So you know, I, all I do know is that they have said that the uh, league will be back next spring for sure. Uh, they haven't said where. Uh, I've heard they've uh, talked about bringing uh, four new teams into the league, and uh, and and possibly even. Uh, going to two hubs, one in the south and one in the north. And so, I, I, you know, it's just there's so much up in the air right now, I, I couldn't tell you, that, you know, because they haven't told us. You know, when you look at the history of spring football, you know, the, the WWF and WWE CEO Vince McMahon, you know, had some influences, and, and some of the rules were just so far-fetched and so out there in an effort to gain TV ratings. Where's the common balance, Coach Fedora? And if you could just wave a magic wand – and bring some changes to the USFL rules. Uh, is there anything that that you really, really like, or just don't like about the way that it's structured? And if you could change it you know either what? way. I, yeah, I, I really like uh, the way they structured everything and the rules that they had. I think they brought uh, the the kickoff return uh, back to football. I mean, by backing it up to the twenty five yard line and, and having the majority of the players within around fifteen yards of each other, and so. It was still safe, but it brought that play, that exciting play, back into the game because uh, that that play's almost been, uh, you know, has been gone for the last three or four years. And so it's 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 nice that they did that. I thought uh, I liked the, uh, you know, I liked the defensive pass interference. Uh, they they went with the college rule instead of the pro rule, where you could give up a big, you know, chunk uh, on a forty yard pay, uh, DPI. But uh, so I, I think the college rule is better there. I liked what they did uh, with the clocks. I, I, I did. I thought it was. Uh, I thought all the way around. I thought it was. Uh, it was just a uh, a good league, and a really. I like the way they uh, officiate. How how will the USFL feed, so to speak, the NFL as far as talent, and how will that work? Yeah, I, I don't know that that was their goal in the first place was to feed the NFL, but but you know, as a player, I'm sure the players. Uh, you know, come in, and this is their opportunity to show, you know, put 10, 12, 11 games, 12 games uh, on tape and, and for scouts from the NFL to be able to see them play and see them excel. So I'm sure there are players from this league that are going to have chances uh, to get into camps in the NFL and have an opportunity to make it. Uh, and if they do, I mean, that's awesome. Uh, that's great for them. And if they don't, they're, they're back with their team and, uh, you know, they're still competing. So there is definitely a place for the USFL and professional football. You know, Coach, I thought another unique thing, uh, the way the league was set up this year, was the coaches were mic'd, the quarterbacks were mic'd. You could actually hear what was going on in the huddle. You could hear a lot of the 
conversations between the head coaches and their quarterbacks and other players. Your thoughts about that? Did that uh, did that change the way in any respect that you coach the game? You know, when they first told us about it, I was worried about it because I was worried about the language that uh, that I use sometimes. And so, uh, but they uh, they assured us that you didn't have anything to worry about. And after the first game or so, I never thought about it again. I do know from uh, you know hearing from the fans that they really enjoyed that aspect of it, being able to to hear the communication between the coaches and players during a play. Uh, for us, I mean, it's just something that we do all the time, you know. So you don't even think about it. Right. But uh, for the you know for the for the fan out there, I think it was I think it was fun for them. It's kind of like being in NASCAR and listening, you know, to the driver and the pit ball, you know, the pit crew, and you know, during the race. And so. your your quarterback was a Southern Miss guy, old Kyle Slaughter, down there for you, coach. Yeah, Kyle was uh, you know made first team All USFL, and uh, he played uh, at Southern Miss just after I left is when he came through there. All right, Coach, so it, it just had a different feel to me in this respect. I mean, it clearly had the backing of some major television networks. I think the backing of the NFL, I know a former Dallas Cowboy was one of the big executives in the league. I just have the sense that this is this is going to be around for a while. I don't think this is uh, I don't think this is going to be another fly by night uh, spring football attempt. No, they, they did it right. First of all, you know, by uh, you know choosing to be in one location. Uh, in Birmingham, they were, you know, they did it in one hub, and and so that cut back on, you know, majority of the cost. You know, we were all housed at the same area. We all practiced in, uh, you know, within four fields and played at the within two stadiums. So they cut a lot of costs and were able to save money to get this thing on the ground. I think that there's no doubt that the thing is going to be around and going to be successful. And now it's it's uh, as they start selling the franchises and, and moving to uh, uh, locations, then it's going to be the team owner who's in charge of all those details and, and uh, pay and all the things that are going to go on. So, you know, it's going to be up to, uh, up to those owners. So we'll see where that goes. All right, final question. What does your offseason look like now? What, what happens between now and uh, the scheduling between the next uh, season? Well, I can tell you this. I got we flew back into uh, Birmingham the next day. Got on the bus from the airport. I, my truck was already loaded. I drove straight to Destin, and I was on my balcony on the beach uh, by five o'clock that day. So, uh, and I bet I'm in Destin right now, and I'm gonna be here for a while until uh, I figure out what I want to do. Well, and I have I have no. Uh, I got no plans of uh, doing anything very difficult. I can assure you. But you are going to be back as the Breakers coach next year. As of right now, I am, yes. I'm, I mean, uh, we, we have an opportunity, uh, to, you know, to do that again next year. So my plans are to be there. All right, Coach. Well, we'll look forward to talking to you again, and we really do appreciate your time. You bet, Bob. Take care. All right, Coach Larry Fedora, everybody, former Golden Eagle coach and really very successful Golden Eagle coach and uh, now a coach of the New Orleans Breakers. And I think it was fascinating what he said about about the image and likeness. I'm telling you, you're going to see a lot of college football coaches who are deemed in their prime going to the house saying, you know what, I think I do have enough money. Well, we've got a college football coach right here in the studio with us. We'll ask him about that, and then we're going to see if before it's gone, he punches Kelly Sander out right here in the Eagle Hour studio. Lance Ankar next. Don't go anywhere.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And many thanks to head coach Larry Fedora, coach of the New Orleans Breakers, for joining the Eagle Hour again from his uh, from his second home in Destin, Florida. And uh, congratulations to him on a good season. The Breakers were a really competitive team, and uh, you would expect nothing less uh, from a team coached by Larry Fedora. This segment sponsored by our good friends at Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Uh, Kathleen is just the best. She's got the best selection of Southern Miss apparel you'll find anywhere on the planet. They're open seven days a week on Hardy Street across from the Southern Miss campus, or you can shop them online at uh, campusbookmart.net. Also, I want to say thanks to our official beignet store of the Eagle Hour, Mo Bay Beignet. They're located on Hardy Street. They cook delicious New Orleans-style beignets as you order them when you walk in the door. Great selection of coffees and the great fans of Southern Miss Sports. So be sure you check out Mo Bay Beignet on Hardy Street. Lance Ankar is the strength and conditioning coach for Southern Miss football. And Coach Ankar is from New Orleans. So, Coach, I, you know a little bit about beignets. Oh, yeah. You can't go wrong with a beignet. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm not much of a coffee drinker, but. Believe me, anytime we went with my parents, I was going to tear up some beignets and have powdered sugar everywhere. You mean with yeah. your enthusiasm, you, you don't drink coffee? I would think that's all caffeine-infused. Red Bull bangs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, Coach Ankar, uh, second or third time he's been on the show, I always uh, enjoy you a great deal uh, when you come by. Uh, we talked a little bit Sunday afternoon. You say the guys are hard at work, and you seem really optimistic about this is what caught my attention about much better depth on the football team. Yeah, I, I really am enthused, and, you know, enthused about the team and the way they've been uh, approaching every day. And the one thing that you know, me and you talked about was just the the competition level is what breeds that type of uh, mentality. Is that you know, when you got somebody that can take your spot at any moment, you know, uh, you have to approach every day differently. And uh, the way that they've been coming to work, and I think it's just. Uh, product of the environment, you know, that Coach Hall created. You know, these guys, every day they know they're going to be taken care of, but also, you know, they know the, why they're here, to win games and compete and, um, you know, a lot of them hopefully to move on to the next level. And there was a lot of hoopla during the offseason about transfers, several SEC kids that transferred uh, into the program, and obviously they got turned over to you. So how much bigger and stronger will the will the line play for the Golden Eagles be this year? I think I – think, I think that'll be the most improved uh, part that everybody's going to see is that uh, now we have some guys that have some size that uh, understand how the game is supposed to be played, that played at a high level already, you know, coming from some of these schools. And uh, a lot of guys that, you know, the coaches have relationships with in the past that just wind up choosing SEC schools because of the prestige, I guess you would say, of SEC. But, um, you know, I think that's a big part of relationships too, you know, is that some of these guys – you know, with NIL and with uh, all of these different uh, transfer rules that, you know, you can get on a second time around, you know, that you might not have had a chance before just because, you know, the money that comes from those other schools. What now what percentage, Coach Ankar, is weight training in the overall performance of a player and what percentage is diet and how do they work together? Whew, I think for some people, diet is probably more important. Really? You know, especially the guys that need to gain and lose. You know, obviously, you're going to have those guys that they're pretty good where they are. They just need to try to get bigger and stronger. But for the most part, you know, especially the guys that we get, we have to develop. So 
either they have to kind of trim up and lose some weight. And we have a couple guys that, you know, every day afterwards, we're doing some cardio, we're doing some stuff to help them out. But uh, people don't realize that the extra cardio, the extra lifting, all of that stuff doesn't matter if you're not eating right. And the other part of it is, you know, and we talk about it to our guys, is that there's three areas that are probably the biggest performance-enhancing drugs that there is, and that's hydrating, sleeping, and making sure that you're eating right. You know, so those three things are, are are detrimental to a player as far as them achieving what they want to achieve. I did notice, Bob, when he talked about that there were some guys that needed to gain, he looked at you, and then when he said there were some guys that need to lose, he looked at me. So. Sure, what's a coincidence? You think so? Okay. Uh, and what would you – the shape of the team right now heading into – compare the overall fitness of the squad now compared to last year when Will, Will Hall's first year. I think the first and foremost part, the biggest part, is that we made it out of spring healthy. Uh, you know, last year we had some nicks, bruises, and, you know, some of that stuff came from the season itself, and they weren't ready to go for spring. Uh, but this year we come out of spring and we're pretty healthy. What a lot of fans don't understand is that the health of a football team many times is a knock on poor strength and conditioning. Yes? Yes. Uh, Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, I try to always tell the guys and I try to tell parents that football is football because it's a gladiator sport. People love it. You know, that's why we love it. People are flying around it. You know, their bodies are missiles. So, you know, we can try to sit there all day and eliminate injuries, which won't happen. But the things that we try to do in the weight room is to try to reduce them and making sure that those areas that are problematic most of the time in football, we try to hit hard. And, uh, you know, to me, that's, the neck, the ankle, the shoulders, and the knees. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of times where people that are supposed to be the biggest and, uh, you know, brightest in the game, you know, like the guys at Bama, and, you know, they had two ACLs late in the season. Like, it's just – it's one of those things that you just can't ever predict, but you just try to do everything as a strength coach to reduce those things. With science going forward and equipment and so on, is equipment – are the advances in equipment keeping up with the advances in strength? Because, because people say, at what point – these guys are already like trucks, right? I mean, they hit with the impact of a truck. Are, is there going to be a point in the future where we're too big and too fast and too strong? <sighs> That's something hard to say uh, because, you know, I think as long as you're training the right way and not trying to do too much too fast, the ligaments, the joints, they'll be able to kind of withstand and withhold over time the progressions that you make muscular-wise. But, you know, I think a lot of times people try to push it too fast, and, you know, usually, you know, tendons and ligaments are the last to kind of make that evolution. And when that muscle's pulling too more hard or it experiences too much, I guess you would say, inertia when you're trying to stop and go, and that's when something bad is going to happen usually. So here's a really dumb question, uh, which I ask frequently, but uh, why are – clearly, clearly, if you go back 10, 20, 30 years in football – and look at it now, at every level, professional to high school, kids are bigger, faster, and stronger. Why is that? I think I think the knowledge, uh, I think the fact that they have better resources now than ever, you know, and uh, now parents have access to, to great strength coaches year-round. You know, back when I was in high school, it was just a football coach telling you to go lift some weights and, Pretty much we were doing the same stuff over and over. You know, you were going to squat, you were going to bench. It was going to be four by ten. There was no progression really to it. And uh, nowadays I think just 
you having you have people that are uh, experts almost in their field that can kind of uh, progress people the right way. And I think a lot of times in the past they were just progressing guys that didn't need to be progressed yet. Yeah. And, and nowadays, three hundred pound linemen are pretty common, right? Oh my goodness, yeah. If you don't have three hundred pound linemen, you're usually gonna get your tail up. You know, that's the kind of people that we're looking for day after day. And you know, I can't name, but maybe one of our offensive linemen that is under three hundred pounds. Yeah. And I can remember a time. This is dating myself, but. Some of the best professional football players in the world, linemen, were 260, 270. Well, you, you remember William the Refrigerator Perry? Yeah, but he was what? a giant in his day, but he's the average guy now. He was 285. Is that right? And yeah, he really, was. the Refrigerator Perry was 285. And he was seen as this giant it, on right, the field. Right, right. Yeah. And, and like Coach just said, now if you're not 300, next. Yeah. <laughs> you know? All right, Coach Ankar, everybody wants to know, obviously, how how good is the team going to be this year? What, what are your thoughts? I think, you know, just kind of giving a politically correct answer, I think we're going to be very much improved. But just as a strength coach and what I've been seeing every day, uh, man, they, they're hungry. They, they just – uh, they're ready to prove people wrong, you know, and that's the biggest thing is that last year we had some guys that I, I don't know if they were fully bought in, you know, great kids, great guys, but I think this year those guys saw, especially towards the end, when you start trusting the system, doing your job, believing in what the coaches are saying, you know, and especially when you got coaches that really do care about you, um, you know, good things are going to happen, you know, and uh, I, I really do. I, I have high hopes for the team. I really do. Um, you know, I know experts may say this or that. You know, they're not with us in that ground, in that foxhole every day, but uh, this is a team that I'm expecting to do, you know, great things around here and, you know, kind of put Southern Mess back to where, you know, uh, we had Marshawn Kenny come and talk to us, like to those teams back in the day. Right, you right. Know. Now, you were at South Alabama, so you've got a, you've got a view of the Sun Belt. From from where us laymen sit, that looks like a tougher football conference than Conference USA. I believe so. I really do. I think, you know, with some of those teams like App State and Coastal and, you know, Troy and all the rest of them, you know, I think I really do think it is a better conference also. They're pretty <laughs> tough, those kids, aren't they? Yeah, and, and for the record, Coach Ann Carr, now that we're in the Sunbelt Conference, App State is now Crap State. Crap State, hey, yeah. I'm down with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't have to remind me again. Yeah, we got we got to start. You I know, think come, they have a stadium they call the Rock. What is that about? Yeah, what copycats. I think, I think that – Lawyers need to get involved here. <laughs> I, I would think so. All right, Coach, you go stick around? Yes, sir. Lance Ankar in the studio with us. We're fixed to hook up here after the break with Patrick McGee. One of Coach Ankar's kids that he actually coached just signed a deal with the New Orleans Saints. That's, of course, what we talk to Patrick about every week. So we're going to update you on Kalik Washington. You said he was a really good one. Oh, I love him. Love him to death. One of my favorites. All right, we'll talk more about that also uh Another baseball transfer from formerly from Gulfport High School. Uh, you may have heard about it before from Tennessee Tech. Patrick has a little insight on that as well. We'll be right back.
Southern Miss to the top. Hey, broadcasting today from the Southern Bank Corps studios here in Hattiesburg. Glad you're with us. Remember, you can hear the Eagle Hour podcast every day on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can tell Alexa to play Super Talk Eagle Hour, and she will do it for you. We appreciate everybody uh, that uh, joins our podcast each and every day. Also want to thank 4th Street Bar Grill for their sponsorship of our program. But what a great place to go for lunch, for dinner, uh, to watch the big game, just to go shoot a little pool maybe and have a cold beer. 4th Street Bar Grill right in the shadow of the rock. Patrick McGee, of course, is with NOLA.com. He joins us uh, this afternoon. And, Patrick, we have uh, football strength coach Lance Ankar on the show. So uh, talk to us for just a minute. One of uh, one of Coach's uh, former players, uh, Kalik Washington, signs with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, uh, he got a look from both the Ravens and the and the Saints in camp, and the Saints got him. Uh, there must have been a little bit of competition uh, to bring him on because the Saints got him on a three year deal, which is unusual uh, for an undrafted undrafted free agent. That's not something that you see come along. I know whenever I saw the three year deal, I was I was like, what? <laughs> I was asking people around me, "Is like, how often do you see that happen?" So, uh, it, you know, I know uh, Coach uh, Coach Hall really thought highly of him. Uh, going into last season and thought he was an NFL guy and maybe kind of fell through the cracks in terms of the draft. But uh, to end up with a, a three-year deal as an undrafted free agent is, is pretty good. And I think what they like is his versatility as a guy that can work uh, both outside of tackle and inside of guard. Uh, is that a position the Saints need to get some depth at and, and generally speaking, the offensive line? Well, it, it, I you know, when I say his versatility, that's somebody that, yeah, they – they're trying to really kind of rebuild the offensive line in a way. Uh, they uh, they draft a left tackle, uh, pinning. Uh, they've got a guy, you know, a veteran there that can kind of plug in uh, Hurst if needed a left tackle. But there's a little uncertainty across the board. It's a, it, The offensive line, I think, is still a strength for the Saints. Uh, but I think the goal for them was to, to bolster depth. I mean, it was really rough on them last year whenever they lost some guys on the offensive line. And uh, they had some dudes on the field that didn't deserve to be out there mm-hmm. a few weeks. So they just really wanted to get uh, get stronger and get more deep. All right, Coach Ankar, you coach Kalik Washington. Your thoughts about all this news? Well, it wasn't a surprise, you know. Uh, I think he's just a guy that we didn't have the season that we did. And, you know, kind of like you said, fell through the cracks. But, uh, golly, what a hard worker. And when we got here, he was a guy that was 347 pounds and just did everything he could to clean up his body and uh, ate right, would send me pictures of his meals, uh, would do extra work, just that type of guy, and just bought into everything that, uh, you know, we had going on. But I think the biggest thing that he did was change his mentality. Uh, He went from being a guy that you might consider a little soft compared to, you know, and now he's a guy that, you know, I would go to a back alley with any day of the week, you know, and I think that's part of the reason, too, that he changed his mentality, changed his body, and he always had the talent, though. Was he the best player on the offensive line last year? Yeah, I would I would say no doubt about it. And yeah. uh, like Patrick said, you know, he's a guy that can play everything. You know, he can uh, learn how to snap. He can play center, too. And with those short rosters that they have, you know, you got to have somebody that just in case, you know, a tackle or a center goes down, one guy that can do everything. And I think he can do that for them. And so, you, you kind of see that, Patrick, is, is how the Saints view him, right? A kid that could plug in in some different spots. Right, but I, I think the primary position they see him at is, is that guard. Uh, he's got good height, you know, six four, obviously good size for an offensive line. But I think the but I think the expectation is that they're going to start him on the interior. Uh, but like like we've talked about, he has plenty of experience at both I think left and right tackle. So 
he's somebody that can plug in a lot of different places. It all comes down to skill set, though, and how, how you how you think and how you move the feet. No doubt. And he's a basketball player. Yeah, he's a former. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Okay. He's a former basketball player, so he's a he's kind of got that you know that background. That a lot of. Uh, Coaches, pro coaches like to see an offensive line. He was one big basketball player, was he not? <laughs> he actually used to be skinny. He showed me some pictures. You know, he was skinny and then he blew up. You know, and uh, I don't know exactly when. You know, he why kinda, are you looking at Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> the only difference is I was y'all, never skinny. Y'all are some instigators. Uh, but no, I'm I'm super excited for him because you know he deserved it with all the hard work he put in. Well, look, and he's not the only former basketball player. To go on, I mean, DeMar Dotson, you know, played basketball at Southern Miss and went on to be, you know, get a Super Bowl ring with Tampa Bay on the offensive right, line. Right. So I, I I guess there's a correlation there that a lot of people just haven't thought about right. before. All right, Patrick, we had Larry Fedora on the show at the top of the hour, and we asked him about the breakers now that the season ended, coming back to New Orleans. And, I, you know, I sort of got the impression that he didn't – he didn't know for 100% sure if that was the plan of the USFL. Do you have any any news on that? Yeah, well, I've, yeah, I've kind of looked around on that, and the uh, USFL has kind of touched on it. They're, I think what they're looking at is maybe being in two or three different locations. Uh, you may see one camp in Birmingham, and, and I don't know. Uh, it's just New Orleans doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of you know having affordable housing for these guys and in the numerous facilities they'd have to use uh, for these. So I, I don't know. Uh, I think the USFL doesn't know. Uh, right. I think one location would make sense to be San Antonio because the Alamo Dome and probably uh, uh, space to work with there, but you'd have to turn the Houston Gamblers into the San Antonio Gamblers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uncertain. Uh, they're tr- going to move forward with this, uh, but it, I think they're still going to try to move forward with cost-cutting measures, and I don't expect uh, these teams to be playing any games in New Orleans. Well, that's, that's just not my expectation. All right, yesterday one of our contributors uh, reported on the show that a, that a kid by the name of Tyler Martin had transferred from Florida State to Southern Miss Baseball, and that was information he got from the D1 uh, transfer portal. But we want to correct that. That was incorrect, and, uh, and uh, you know, we don't put out incorrect information here knowingly. Tyler Martin did sign uh, with Southern Miss, but – Tyler Martin that signed with the Golden Eagles is a relief pitcher from Nebraska. So we just want right. to make sure yeah, that we right. clarify that. All right, but there is another signee that you know a little bit about, and he came, he's coming from uh, Tennessee Tech, Gabe Lacey, Patrick. Yeah, uh, Gabe Lacey, he played, he's from Gulfport, and uh, he played Juco ball at Gulf Coast and then transferred up to Tennessee Tech for one season. Uh, played mostly, he played shortstop in high school. And I saw a lot of him at shortstop. I thought he was very athletic. I thought maybe he's a guy that can maybe play at a different position on the infield or possibly in the outfield. At Tennessee Tech, he played third base, but he also played some second base. So he's a guy, he hit 12 homers. I think it was, I think I know it was double digits. I think it was 12 home runs last season for Tennessee Tech. was really one of the better hitters overall. And he's just really athletic is the best way to describe him. He's somebody that's got a high ceiling, I think, as a player. I think, you know, coming into Southern Miss and working with the facilities and the coaching staff there, I think you could see him maybe take up another notch at Southern Miss. So he's somebody that, we, you know, we talked about building depth and, and just having guys come off the bench or guys they can plug in and, and, and go whenever somebody gets cold because they just didn't have that, you know, this season at Southern right, Miss. It right. was really kind of a shallow in the, in the lineup. Uh, Lacey's a guy that could potentially start at second base or replace McGillis, or he could be that guy that could play a – 
multiple positions. So I think Lacey is the type of guy they really needed to add. And I, I think he's got a high ceiling. He's somebody that really hasn't even touched this potential yet. Yeah, but you, you notice there too, Bob, he's got double-digit yaks. Well, that's and, uh, what I was about to say. It does appear, Patrick, that uh, what Coach Barry and the staff went after as soon as the Super Regional was over was some pop in the batting lineup. And just as you pointed out earlier in the season, some offensive depth. So if, you know, if mm-hmm. your first baseman hits a slump, you've got a kid you can bring in and pinch it and bring some pop to the lineup. Yeah, I'm looking at stats here at 329 with 12 homers and 63 RBI. That's uh, pretty that, good pop. That's good, yeah, and, that's good numbers. And yeah, I, I mean, he's not—he's going to face a little bit tough, you know, tougher pitching at Southern Miss. But it's, if you can do that, at Tennessee Tech, you're—you're—you can more than compete at Southern Miss. And I want to defend Tennessee Tech. There might be some people out there going, "What? So what? Tennessee Tech? Whatever." If you do your research and know college baseball, Tennessee Tech is a really good program. They're a Dallas Baptist kind of school where you don't really hear a lot about them. I think they play out of the Ohio Valley, but they are really, really good in baseball. So I don't think let, a few years ago they eliminated Ole Miss from a super regional. Right. Am I not right about yeah. that, Patrick? Yeah, and they lost their coach. They went to Rice and things all went to hell at Rice. But in right. Tennessee Tech trailed off a little bit. Uh, but they're a team. I think they might play in a smaller ballpark. I mean, heck, they have one guy that hit 26 homers this year. Uh, so it's, but you know, we'll see how he plays out at MP Taylor Park. You know, uh, we'll see. I think it's obviously a positive ad. It's a South Mississippi guy, a guy that really adds a lot of things that they were looking for. Yeah, I agree. All right, just a few seconds left, Patrick. Uh, now, our friend here, Lance Ancar, is a huge Saints fan. Tell tell Coach Ancar how many games are the Saints going to win and. Do they bring down the uh, goat this year? I think I see the Saints at eleven wins, eleven and six. It's always weird, you know, to project on a seventeen game schedule. But eleven and six, I think they do win the division. I think you'll see the division be a little bit more competitive. But I think the Saints come out of it just because they're 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 the best defensive bunch uh, team in the group by far. And I think Winston's going to step up. Really, like we keep talking about, the only question mark is how much time is. Uh, Alvin Kamara going to miss, if, you know, if miss any, or is he going to be out for six games? We'll see. Uh, but uh, Baker Mayfield was traded to the uh, Carolina Panthers today. I don't know if y'all saw oh, that. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that changes the division a little bit. So they'll be a little bit better at the quarterback position, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I expect a competitive division that the Saints win. And Patrick, just so you know, me and former coach Greg Williams have gotten together. If I don't want Tom Brady beaten, I want him broken, and there's extra money involved. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, he's all fired up with Coach Ankar here in the studio. All right, Patrick, thanks, buddy. We appreciate you. All right, thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody. NOLA.com. Check him out. He covers Southern Miss sports down there some. And, of course, is the uh, go-to guy when it comes to the New Orleans Saints for the Eagle Hour. We'll be back with Coach Ankar right after this. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, what a great show today on the Eagle Hour. Larry Fedora, coach of the USFL New Orleans Breakers. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. Strength and conditioning coach Lance Ankar in the studio with us here. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Got one more segment to go. Coach Ankar still here with us uh, in the studio. All right, Coach Ankar, what, what exactly is going on right now? 
And what is your game plan uh, for your guys between now and, uh, I guess, when fall camp opens? Yeah, so right now uh, we're kind of in the meat meat and potatoes of uh, strength and conditioning. And uh, right now the coaches are actually on vacation. So we have kind of – the whole program to ourselves. Uh, normally when the coaches come back, we kind of do our OTAs and uh, do some football stuff uh, involved in, you know, kind of with the strength and conditioning side of it. But right now it's just us. So uh, me and my staff, you know, and I can't say enough about my staff. They do a, a great job. Uh, but, you know, we kind of going back to the, the dog days, going to uh, what we call it, the gogi training. You know, I've never seen 300, but, you know, that, that part where they become Spartans. And so every day has been 6 a.m. morning runs, uh, workouts afterwards. And we're just trying to make it to where, it, you know, we develop that mindset right now. And uh, coaches come back next week and we're going to get back on our regular schedule. But right now it's, you know, 4 o'clock, wake up. You know, 6 a.m. we out there running, and then, you know, it's rocking and rolling, trying to make these boys tough and uh, getting ready for a long, strenuous what's season. what's their attitude about getting pushed like that right now? I think they know me now, and uh, they kind of know what's expected. They know that it's nothing to do with harming them or anything like that. It's more, hey, this is what it takes to, to win at this level. And uh, I think they embrace it. I think they really do. I think they're embracing it and uh, – you know, even kind of having fun with it, you know, which is uh, what we kind of want, you know. And I, when I talk to Navy SEALs and guys like that, they, that's what they say. They, like, you got to have fun with it because it's going to be tough. So whether you, you know, sit there and, and cry about how tough it's going to be or try to have fun with it, it's going to be tough regardless. So it's just that mindset of, hey, this is what it takes. This is what it is. Hey, we might as well embrace it and go attack it. That sounds like your average day up at four in the morning, running at six, lifting weights throughout the morning. No, it actually sounded more like me when he said you could cry about it. That- <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I would do. No, I don't want to do this. So the guys are already on campus then, L.A., right? Yes. Because yeah. uh, usually in the old days, there would be a quote-unquote report day, which would be 10th of August usually, yeah. and then and then school. But they're already there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been having them for the last five weeks pretty much. So the beginning, right after Memorial Day is our first day. So they've been with us, you know, pretty much all the way through then. We had a little break for the 4th of July, uh, which ended, you know, on, uh, well, I guess that was yesterday, right? So that ended on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, but we've been rocking and rolling here for, you know, at least 20, 30 days. Yeah, that's am- that's amazing because, like I said, it used to be you get like two weeks and boom, then you'd have to get get ready to, pl- to play the first game already. Because I was my question was going to be, how do they come back? Do they usually come back to campus in shape? Hell, they're already here. They're already here. Uh, and, you know, they might get a little break in between before uh, fall camp. But, you know, pretty much for the most part, they're here. And, and the way you train them, obviously, you're not going to wait train a DB, a defensive back, the same way that you train an offensive tackle. Yes. So how do you develop different programs for different positions? And I think it all goes back to uh, – you know, trying to put them guys in different groups. Like, you can't have everybody in the same group uh, because they have different focus. And also, when it comes to our speed work, our uh, agility work, our training, uh, we try to do drills that will simulate what they're going to be doing on the field. So we're not going to have D linemen really working on backpedal drills. You know, those are more for your DBs. We'll have offensive linemen, defensive linemen more pushing heavy sleds, you know. So whenever, especially we do our speed work, which we did this morning, uh, you know, we'll have the, the, the guys that's going to be running our skill, mid-skill guys on one side of the field, and I'll take the big boys because I feel like, you know, and I told them this morning, I was like, hey, if we win up front, we win games. Right. So I wanted to make sure I put a big emphasis on the big boys 
Panthers, and I've been taking them myself. Well, unfortunately, Bob Getty, there have been some Southern Miss football teams, not many, but there have been some Southern football teams over the years where the offensive linemen should have been doing backpedaling drills because they got pushed back. You know, uh, it's not a good sign, Coach, when your linemen are getting pushed backwards. <laughs> no, and it's like we always say: you put on skates. You know, that's the last thing you want to do is be put on skates. Yeah, you know, or when their jerseys are dirty on their back. You know, that's that's not what you want from your offensive linemen. Yeah. yeah. Well, it must be fun to see the progression of the team under the new regime that uh, you're a part of. A lot of new kids, a lot of big kids in here, like we talked about earlier. So, uh, give us uh, in the last minute we have left a sense of the. Uh, of the psyche of the vibe right now, I think the vibe has just been uh, one of, of to prove, you know, to prove ourselves, to prove to the people, you know, of Hattiesburg, and you know, now moving into a new conference to pro- prove, you know, our inaugural year in the Sun Belt Conference that hey, you know, this is Southern Miss and this is the way Southern Miss is going to be from here on out. And uh, I think the coaches have done a great job of bringing in a great mix of uh, transfers, but. They're all great character kids, you know. There's not one kid that you look at and it's like, man, this guy's a turd, you know. Like, they're all kids that they're high-quality character, that love football. And the one thing I, I respect about Coach Hall and everybody else on our staff is that, you know, football is not just the one thing that they're going to be looking for. They want to check out in every area. Bob, are we allowed on the FCC list to say t- the word turd? Oh. Like, the, like well, if the strength coach, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. No, no, no. That's okay. We're, we're kidding. Hey, Coach, always fun uh, having you here. Thanks for coming to the studio. Oh, I appreciate y'all having me, like always. We're glad you're here, and we're excited about football. We're really looking forward to it. All right, the guys are on the road tomorrow. Ramey Motors, uh, we'll have a great show down there. Until tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Southern Miss. To the, to the top. top. Seven, seven. Into the future I want to fly like an eagle To the sea Fly like an eagle Let my spirit carry me I want to fly like an eagle Till I'm free Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.